We have to break out of something that we're in that's holding us in the old place and break through and break out into the new place. How many is ready to break out into a new place? You know, you say, well, I'm happy where I'm at. Well, that's fine. Just stay there, okay? But we don't want to stay where we... I want to be going every day, changing every day, be doing more for God every day, don't you? And I think that's what he said when he said, occupy till I come. Do business till I come. Do business until I come. In other words, be busy about the Father's business. Be expanding the kingdom of God. Don't just be sitting around waiting, waiting on the rapture bus to show up and pick you up, okay? We need to be busy. We need to be doing some things. And we need to be doing some things for God. I'm not talking about a Martha syndrome. I'm talking about just being busy. Sometimes doing things is sitting at the feet of Jesus. We need to be doing more of that, right, to get our instructions. We don't always have to be busy, busy, busy. But we need to be doing things for the kingdom and doing things to, to, to pro- project the glory of God in our lives. And, and so I felt the Lord was saying that people there and even many here today are looking for a breakthrough. And many of you need a breakthrough. I said earlier, I said, God, show me the breakthrough I need that I don't even know I need it yet. You know, I think David might say, Lord, reveal to me my secret sins. You know, but sometimes we're not, we're not aware because we're so, we talked about this yesterday, we're so comfortable where we are that we don't even know that we're in a bondage situation. We're so, we've, we've become so accustomed to our coping mechanisms, we don't even realize they're coping mechanisms. And we think that's just normal day, way of life. And God said, I want to get you out of this old place into the new place so you can become everything that's in your heart to do and to become. God is an awesome God. And, and God's people need to be involved in the transformation of our city, our nation. Is that too big? Of, of, you know, I just bleed big. How about you guys? I sent something out on the email this week about from Ed Silvosa about two pastors who literally changed their city. They literally changed their city. You believe you can change your city? Do you believe you can change your city? If the answer is no, you need to go to the church down the street, okay? Because we believe we can change our city. We believe we can change our city. And we don't want you just coming in and breathing in and breathing out and going home and nothing happening in your life, okay? So so, <laughs> someone else said in prayer that, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but someone else said in prayer that the, sometimes you've got to catch up, right? Sometimes you don't know, we don't know what we don't know, right? I, didn't, I never heard about changing the city until I said yes to being the pastor of the church. Pow, God said, I'm, I'm calling this church to transform the region. And we're doing it in some great ways. We don't have to put it on billboards, do we? But someone else said in prayer that she had heard the Lord wants to lead people into breakthrough and into their destinies. Into their destinies. You know you have a plan. God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. In Psalm 139, he says, I'm knitting you together in your mother's womb. He says, every day of your life is written in my book for you that I have planned for you. God has a good plan, right? God has a good plan. And, and another said he saw Pete and Terry, actually mentioned this earlier, saw people boxed in fears, indecisive, indecisive, insecure, robbing people of their destiny. We need to, and I heard the word break out. We've got to break through and break out, which Micah 2, thir, uh, 13 talks about. But many people stay in the wrong place for the wrong reason, and they never experience the breakthrough God has for them. And Micah speaks very clearly then. I just want to look at this quickly, and then we're going to jump over to another Old Testament portion of Scripture. But in the Amplified, it says, The breaker, the Messiah, will go up before them. Now, Micah was contemporary with Isaiah, and both of these prophets saw, had a, a clear vision of who Jesus, who the Messiah is. 
We know him to be Jesus. They will break through, pass in through the gate, go out through it, and their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. And as we look at this, I believe we could kind of break this up into a process of breakthrough. Number one is that the Messiah goes first. You've got to have prophetic vision. Maybe we'll develop this into a message another day. But you've got to have prophetic vision. Without vision, people perish, right? Vision's what keeps us focused. Vision's what keeps us excited. We're looking ahead. I'm going there. We're, go- we're staying on track. So we have to have that prophetic vision. And we want a prophetic vision that God has for us. People, as I said, people will perish for not having a vision in, just in life. What's your plans? Well, I don't know. What's your goals? Well, I don't have any. Well, what kind of life is that? We, we want to be people of, of, of goals. We want to be people that have God plans, don't we? And you say, well, my, my life is over. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 70, 80, 90, whatever we might be in all in here. But you know what? If you're breathing, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a goal for you if you're breathing. Don't ever let anybody disqualify you because you're too young, too old, too tall, too short, too fat, too whatever, or too, too uneducated or too educated. You know, sometimes, uh, uh, I, I think I've said this before, but I've read one time that it, it, it usually it takes people four years to get their degree and 40 years to get over it. So um, anyway, but, so the Messiah goes first with prophetic vision. And then it says they will break through. And what that's a determination. Okay, God gives us a vision. Now I'm determined to go through and get it done. See, the Messiah is leading, but who is it? It says they will break through. Not he, he, we know he's broken. They're going to break through. If God's given you a vision, do you have the determination to break through? And then it says they're going to pass through the gate. You know what that is? That's transformation. Let me tell you, you can't get to where you need to go without change. If you were, you, if you did, you'd already be there. If you didn't need to change, you'd already be where you need to go. We can't get to where we need to go without change. So we're going to pass through the gate, transformation. And then it says, and they will go through it, restoration. Back to transformation. It took Moses spent 40 years going through transformation. Joshua spent 13 years. Excuse me, uh, Joseph. David spent 25 years in transformation. Esther spent one year in preparation. I always think the girls, it didn't take so long for them. Right? <laughs> Not really. Sounds good, doesn't it? So don't be afraid of transformation. And then, you know, God wants to restore you to every promise He has for you. He wants to restore back into your life what the enemy has stolen. And I want you to just take a quick, just an inventory. What has the enemy taken from you? Has He taken your faith through just repeated sight? Has He taken your health, your finances, your family, your dignity? Has He taken all of that? Well, God says it's time to get it back. It's time to get it back. Here I said a moment ago, we're in the month of Elul. The king is in the field. He's saying, come and get it. Come and get what you need. Come and get that change. Come and get, just submit your heart to me and come and get what you need. Help us to be, help us to be people of breakthrough. Get, let us get out of deception. See, we've been deceived into believing that it's okay where we are. Well, I tell you, it's not okay unless the church looks like Jesus. Unless the church is laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. Unless the church is raising the dead. That's when it's okay. It's not okay just to come in, do three songs, announcements, take up the offering, have a word, and go home, and everything's the same. It's not okay for that. Another word I kept hearing last night was ziklag. And I'm like, ziklag? God, what has ziklag got to do with breakthrough? And I kept thinking, ziklag, ziklag, ziklag. And so I went home and I started studying ziklag and... And so I, as, I, as I began to study it, I began to see the, what the Lord was talking about because there's things that keep us from going through our breakthrough. And Terry mentioned it. This, you didn't even know this. Fear is what will keep you out of your moment of breakthrough. 
Fear will keep you out of your moment of breakthrough. And I'm just going to walk through Ziklag, and we're going to look at three lessons that we can learn. And, and many of you may be in your Ziklag experience. So uh, David went to Ziklag, but he wasn't supposed to be there, by the way. But in 1 Samuel 27, it says, Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. Now this is the man who God had anointed to be king some years earlier. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to perish. Saul's going to kill me. Forget what God said. God said, I'm going to be king. That's okay. Saul's going to kill me. How many of us do the same? But we have this word of God that says, I'm the Lord God who gives you everything you need for your life in God. Oh, God, I'm going under. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail. Or I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases. I'm dying. I'm dying. Or I'm going broke. He says, I supply all of your need. So we, don't we do the same thing? We, we, we laugh at these guys in the scripture. We do the same thing. But he said, okay, God, David said, now I'm, I'm going to perish at the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. That's like a believer saying, I'm, I'm perishing, God. I'm dying. I'm going to hell. I'm just going to go over here and live in the world. And that's what David was doing. He said, I'm going to perish. I'm just going to go live with the Philistines because their Saul won't come after me. Let me tell you something. In the world, the devil doesn't usually chase you too hard. He's going to come after you in the church. When you're living right, you're trying to do right, you're trying to get that flesh crucified, you're trying to get that soul transformed, the devil's going to come after you. But when you go back and start playing in the world again, the devil's going to leave you alone. Isn't he? Anybody experience that? Hope not. It says, Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I will escape out of his hand. So David arose, went over, he and his 600 men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maoth, the king of Gath. So that day, Achish gave him Ziklag. Now, Ziklag had already been given to, jo- to Joshua back in Joshua 13 or 15, somewhere along there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the king of Judah to this day. So we see David was weary. He was filled with discouragement, like many of you may be here today. Maybe you're just tired of fighting. Maybe you're just tired of the same old, same old, same old. seems like every time I turn around, I take three steps back for every one step forward I take. And that's where David was. And, and, you know, how many times did the memory of Samuel anointing him as king come into his head? Well, we're going to see, I think it got less and less and less. How many promises has God given to you that maybe even today you're thinking, God, was that really God or was that just me? Too much time has passed. Too many mistakes have happened. Maybe it's just, maybe God's done. What rhema word was given to you that maybe you've almost forgotten? The memory's no longer there. And we find ourselves in a place we've never been before. We find ourselves in a place of helplessness, hopelessness, something that makes no sense. And we don't even see the promise any longer that was given to us. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But what we see is David looked at circumstances. And the circumstances caused him to make a hasty decision, and he fled. He allowed the circumstances to shake him out of his place of assignment that was going to lead him to his destiny. Many people get shaken out of their assigned place because of circumstances. It's not happening fast enough. I don't see it. It makes no sense to me. Where is the God that made these promises? I don't see anything happening, so I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. I'm leaving this job. I'm leaving this marriage. I'm leaving this church. Wherever it might be. Whatever it might be. 
you know, as, as pastors and, and leaders in the church, we've, had, we've known many people have been sent here in other churches, not just here, but all churches, to accomplish something, to develop them, because the purpose of the church is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's the purpose of the church, to equip the saints. We're, the, we're, we're an equipping center, then you go out and you do the work that God has called you to do. You have gifts, you have talents. Terry mentioned this a moment ago. Many of you have gifts that you're not using because of fear. Because of fear. Because maybe you tried using it and you failed or someone had a, a remark, a smart remark to say, who do you think you are? What are you doing that for? But God, God wants you to stay in your assigned place wherever that might be. It could be your job. It could be in a, in a neighborhood. It could be in a relationship. Whatever, it, you know what it is. But people often forget that between the, the, the promise and the provision is a thing called process. We talk about it all the time. Between the promise and the provision is this thing called process. And it's the process that will get many believers. See, David was in the pasture. They, the David that was in the pasture was not the, the God or the David that God needed on the throne. And the person you are today may not be the person God needs for whatever your assignment is five years down the road, ten years down the road. There's things we have to learn. I said last week, the Lord dropped into my spirit. You don't have to stay on the battleground any longer than you want to. Learn the lessons, right? Let's quit making those 40-year treks around the mountain. So ziklag comes from a Hebrew root verb meaning. Listen to this meaning of ziklag. It means to press mentally someone or something to reveal what is inside. A ziklag is something that is going to press you mentally to reveal what's inside of you. Everyone has a ziklag experience, maybe multiple ones. We should have, be having fewer and fewer. It also means winding, just winding. Ziklag was not God's plan for David. History tells us that, listen to this, during this time that David was in Ziklag, he wrote no songs or poetry. All revelations stopped and the gifts lay dormant because David was out of his assigned place. David also lived a double life in Ziklag. He pretended to align with a heathen nation. And he would tell the king, oh, I'm going out and I'm raiding the tribes of Israel and I'm killing all of them. And he'd bring back this stuff when he was really raiding their own people. And he would kill every one of them so there would be no eyewitnesses left. David was living a, a deceited, deceitful life and he, and he was leading a double life. Many Christians today lead a double life. They're trying to be one thing and their heart really wants them to be for God, but yet they, they fall to the pressure of the world. A life of lies and deceit. Ziklag was also part of the inheritance of Judah, but it had not yet been conquered by the Israelites. Back in Joshua 15, it was given, and it tells us in Joshua that it was given to them, but they had not yet conquered. And let me tell you, there's a lot of believers that have been given an inheritance that they have not taken possession of. And that inheritance comes through Christ. Many do not occupy the place of their inheritance. And they're looking for their inheritance in the wrong country. They're looking for their inheritance outside of God's covenant. See, Philistines represent anything outside of God's covenant. David fled to the Philistines thinking, believing a lie, that if I'm there, Saul will stop pursuing me. Well, he, Saul did. But what did he jump out of the frying pan and into the fire? David gained favor with the Philistines as he pretended to have deserted uh, his, Israel and his allegiance to Saul, and he was given the town, as we said. Some of you have financial ziklags. Some of you have a family ziklag. 
Some of you have a marital ziklag. Some of you have a health ziklag. Some of you have a career or spiritual ziklag. You're trying to pretend one thing when it's not really you. We keep covering up and, and lying even to ourselves. So let's see, let's see what led David to Ziklag. So let's jump back to 1 Samuel 27. It says, Then David, this is the key, Then David said in his heart. Now, if you read one of the translations, it says, David kept thinking. David kept thinking, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. What is it that you're thinking? David kept saying to himself, Saul's going to kill me. Saul's going to kill me. Saul's going to kill me. Do we not come into agreement many times with the enemy? What is it that we keep saying to ourselves? I'm going under. I'm going under. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm never going to break this problem. I'm never going to break this addiction. I'm never going to get out of debt. My kids are never going to get right with God. Do what? My marriage is never going to work. My husband and wife's never going to change. We keep saying, so David kept saying in his heart, now I will perish one day. David was saying he was coming to agreement with the enemy. And this is how we get to that place of Ziklag. He says, there's nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. When we start thinking out of fear, we start making irrational decisions. He said, Saul's going to kill me, therefore I just need to go run to the Philistines, who was his enemy anyway. A thousand Saul killed, ten thousand David. He'd, He'd killed many of their people. He said, then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders. And so David arose and went over, he and six hundred men... To, to Achish, the son of Maach, I read this a moment, king of Gath, so that Achish gave him Ziklag. So Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a reasoning in our mind that seems right. So David began to speak against what God had promised him. Are you speaking against what God has promised you? Fear chased David out of his assigned place. Fear chased David out of his assigned place. How often do we allow fear to chase us out of the place God has assigned us? And David lost sight of the promise and only began to see what was present in front of him, the present circumstances. Human reasoning will destroy you. Human reasoning will destroy a nation. Human reasoning will destroy a city. It will destroy a family. If we begin to look at things any other way than what the Word of God has to say. See, the Word of God says He's your victory. He says you're more than a conqueror. He says, well, you put your hands to a prosper. He said, you're the head, not the tail, above, only not beneath. That's what his word says. He says, if you're obedient to him, that all the blessings of God will come over you and overtake you. That's the blessings of God. That's the word of God. But what are we listening to? And what we see is that many times God is often working things out in the background and we're not even aware of it. And what are we doing? We're over here speaking against what God is trying to do in our life. We see this happen so many times. So with our first lesson that we can learn is fear can take us out of our assigned place. Fear can take us out of our assigned place. It will cause us to move out of the place of our destiny into a place of false security and comfort. False security and comfort. When the promise seems improbable, when it seems impossible, we were singing this a moment ago. He's the God of the impossible. David ran to Ziklag. Because he was in a place of fear and struggle, only to find himself in a place where God wasn't present. It was a place where all revelation to David had stopped. When we get out of that place, that place where we are assigned to be, the revelation of God will stop in our heart and in our life. It will quit flooding into our lives. I want to ask you, what has God spoken to you one year, five years, ten years, twenty years ago? 
what are we focusing on? What are we saying to ourselves? It was 20 years from the time of the promise for David to the day that he went to Ziklag. 20 years. David had been waiting. I thought I'd been anointed king. I thought I'd been anointed king. Number two is that God will often use conflict to get us out of our comfort zone. God will often use conflict. I told you last week that I had read something this past week that said God never wastes a wound. God never wastes a wound. What does that mean? That in every trial and every struggle that we have, God is there to teach us, to lead us, to develop us, to mold us. In Second Samuel, uh, excuse me, First Samuel twenty nine says the commanders of the Philistines. Now David had, you know, he was really popular with King Achish. He thought he was a big deal, and he was really faithful to King Achish. And King Achish thought the same thing. But we had gotten to the point to where the Philistines were now going to go and destroy the armies of Israel. And David said, "I'm going with you." These were his own people. And it says, and the commander of the Philistines says, "What are these Hebrews doing here?" And Achish said to the commander of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? He had actually only been there about 16 months, according to the scripture. And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commander of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. I think if you think about what could be going on in David's mind, why would he come against his own people? Maybe he was thinking, this is how God's going to get me on the throne. I'm going to, God's going to send in the Philistines, Saul's going to be destroyed, and I will be right there to pick up the throne. Maybe that was his reasoning. I don't know. Conflict is sometimes used to redirect us. Conflict is simply a clash of interest between two parties. I want to ask us, are we in conflict with God? Are we in, do we have a clash of interest between what God is interested in and what we are interested in? And I believe that God is committed to every one of us to get us back into the place where he has destined us to be, where God has destined you to be. How many of you know that God has given you a plan for your life? How many know that? I mean, I, yes, you should all be raising your hands. How many of you ever feel like you've walked out of that, away from that plan? Yeah, we all have, haven't we? How many has ever allowed fear to drive you out? See, fear does not benefit God because it's not a faith. Fear drove David to the Philistines. Fear drove David to lie and manipulate. Fear drove David to embrace a culture inconsistent with his own. And God needed to redirect David. And get him back to the place where he had assigned him. See, you may have given up on God, but he hasn't given up on you. David may have thought the promise was long gone, but God said, no, my promise is still with David. His promise is still with you. And God needed David out of the control of the Philistines. He will not allow conflict in our life in order to... He will often allow conflict in our life in order to get us out of that place to get us where he needs for us to be so we can begin to take on that destiny and fulfill the purposes of God. It's always for someone else. We, we say this all the time. Your calling is for someone else. Your gifts are for someone else. God called you to do the work of ministry for someone else for the benefit of others, right? We say this all the time. The Word of God tells us. 
He told Abraham, he says, I'm calling you out so you can be bless all the nations. For, it's for, through you, all the nations are going to be blessed. Through you, other people are going to be benefited. He told Joshua, I want you to go into the promised land so you can take others with you. There's many people in your neighborhood that need to be brought into the promised land that only you can bring. People on your job site, only you can bring these people in. But have we, have we slipped over into the wrong side? Fear sometimes causes us to go to that place of least resistance, least effort, and also where we don't want to take a risk. And we get comfortable, and we get complacent, and we get apathetic because we don't trust God. And in our comfort, sometimes we misinterpret, and we say, well, things are going pretty good, so God must be okay with this. No, God will let us rest in our comfort for a season. Number three, the lesson we can learn is that God restores our prophetic vision and this empowers us to take back what is ours. God will restore your prophetic vision. See, David was still the man God said he's a man after my own heart. It says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against Negeb and against Ziklag, and they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. David and his men returned back to where they left their wives, their children, their, all their oxen, their sheep, all their belongings. And it said, when they got there, the whole town was just destroyed. And it said, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all of the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. See, one of the lowest days in David's life, he realized that he was not so highly trusted by all the Philistines. This was one of the lowest times in his life. He returns and he finds that everything that he had left behind has been destroyed, he thought, or burned. Even the people that were with him were now turning against him. And the Amalekites represent, I'm just, this is very important, they represent the pure evil that's in the world. See, while David was off playing in Ziklag, the enemy came and destroyed what was there, or it could have destroyed, they took it away. They stole David's possessions while David was over playing in Ziklag. The Amalekites represent children of darkness. They're the heritage of Esau, so you think of roots of bitterness. They're characterized by bullying, terrorizing, cowardly attacks. They represent spiritual warfare that's going on always between believers and the powers of darkness. So we see a prophetic picture here. We can't afford to be out of our assigned place and over here playing in the land of the world because the enemy is going to come back and take the very heritage and the very promises that God has left for us. So while we're over here playing with the world, the devil's stealing our children, stealing our finances, stealing our health, stealing our marriages. While we're over here playing, thinking we're okay, thinking that this is where I'm supposed to be. And David did something that was going to set him right back into right, the right course with God. He said he strengthened himself in the Lord. He said I, he strengthened himself in his God. See, he was still the God of David. He strengthened himself in God, and then he began to inquire upon God. See, this is something we need to do. We need to constantly be in the presence of God. Even if we're struggling, what, God, what is it? What's going, what, can I, what do I need to do? God, I'm not going to compromise your word. I'm not going to compromise the gifts you've given to me. I'm, I'm not going into the place of the world. I'm not going into Zika. I'm staying right where you've assigned me. And God, I'm going to strengthen myself in you. I'm going to allow you to give me direction. I'm going to allow you to give me the wisdom that I need. And I believe David began to remember the covenant promises of God that he had had and had received, received. And he began to call upon God. So number three is we see that our restored vision 
will allow us to become so empowered that we can take back what, we, what the enemy has stolen. And the enemies on the outside were simply a reflection of what was going on in David's life. It was chaos. It was destruction. If you want to know what's going on on the inside of somebody, just look at their outside life. Just look at their outside life. Are they a person of peace? A person of chaos? Are they a person of confusion? What's going on on the outside is simply a mirror image of what's going on on the inside. Enemies are simply a reflection of what's going on. The, the enemies that we associate, that we attract to our lives, simply reflect what's going on inside of us because we empower enemies that we come into agreement with. We empower the enemies we come into agreement with. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 and 8. Again, it says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go? And he said, Yes. And then 1 Samuel 30 it said David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. See, God will restore back to you the years that the locust and the palmer worm and the canker worm have eaten. That's the first scripture God gave me after I got born again. I kept thinking of all the years I had wasted, 28, 29, whatever it was, years that I didn't serve the Lord. And the first thing he said to me was, I'm giving you back everything that the enemy has stolen. But you know what? I have to do my part. I have to stay in the presence of God. I have to declare it. I have to, I have to command that back. And I can't get out and play it in ziklag and expect God to go over here and protect what I've, what I've got going on. And it says, Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. God protects what is covenant. God will protect in you what is covenant. David brought back everything. David brought back everything. See, we can be strong in one area in our life and then allow the enemy to rout us in another. You can be strong in one area of your life, but then I'll have a weakness in the other. You can be in here on Sunday shouting glory, hallelujah, loving God, truly praising God, and on the, during the week you're giving in to the weaknesses of the flesh. It's called double living. It's called deception. We've got to quit running. We've got to quit hiding. We've got to quit making excuses. And we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord every day. Now, you, if you're a part of this church, you know how much we emphasize the Word of God in prayer. We pray Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, Saturdays. We believe in the power of prayer. What don't you have that you would have had you prayed? And what won't we have that we won't have if we don't pray? We're praying for our nation on Wednesday mornings. We just started, and that is so powerful that we... Do you believe we can change and shift the spiritual atmosphere in our city? Do you believe that? If you do, come on Wednesday. If you don't, stay home till you do, Okay. Or come and get convicted on it. God, if we can change and shift, the, we can shift the environment and the atmosphere of our nation. We can do that. God does nothing except through prayer. Here's a quote by, from George Patton. It said, During World War II, a military governor met with General George Patton in, in Sicily. When he praised Patton for his courage and bravery, the general repri replied, Sir, I'm not a brave man. The truth is I'm an utter craven coward. I have never been within the sound of a gunshot or in the sight of a battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I had sweat in the palm of my hands. I learned very early in life never to take counsel with my fears. You never allow yourself to make a decision based on your fears. This is the only way that you can make a decision. What is the Word of God telling me? What is God? We need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Let's stand if you will. I want to read Micah 2.13 one more time. It says, The breaker, the Messiah, will go up before them. They will break through, pass in through the gate, and go out through it, and their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. Let me tell you, God, your breaker, 
is getting ready to pass out the door, and he's going to say, are you going to be determined enough to come with me? He wants to lead every one of us individually to that place he has assigned us. Okay, he's leading us out, but are you willing? Are you determined enough to follow his plan, his course of action? Well, his course of action agrees with this word. It's not, it's not the ways of the world. You're not going to find your fulfillment in the way of the world. You're going to find your fulfillment in relationship with God. And then, Are you going to allow the transformation to take place in your life that needs to take place? Can we be just, we spend so much time, eight or ten hours, Luke 4, 18. God, just change us. God, get rid of the brokenness. Get, get rid of the stuff that's off-center, God. We just want to be everything we can be for you. God, make the changes in our life. And how many knows that changes is always not uh, easy? Change isn't always. It usually change hurts, doesn't it? If you read some of the leadership books, this is what happens. We start going along like this, and all of a sudden we plateau. And this is in our leadership, but also in your life. You plateau. Well, at the point of the plateau, something's got to change. And if you change for the good, you continue to, pl- to, to go, to move up. But if you don't change, you will, you're not going to stay there. You're going to regress. You're going to go back down. Same thing in our spiritual walk. God takes us from level to level, from glory to glory. And, he, and you might think, oh, God, I've just made it. I, I just feel like I've accomplished so much. These, all you Luke 418 people. Well, get ready. God's just going to take you to another place. You, you got here, okay, you're, you're there. He's going to give you a breath for a minute. Then he's going to say, okay, let's move on. We've got to go further. We've got to go higher. We gotta, because the thing God's called you for is not at this level. Don't let, don't let complacency and apathy keep you in a place where God can't use you to the fullness of where he wants to use you. And I'm not just talking about, and you don't have to stand behind a pulpit. We're not talking about that. God wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in your neighborhood, on your jobs. Go create revival in your job. Kids are downstairs. Let them create revival in their schools. That's what God's called us to do. But if we're so broken and wrapped up in our own self-pity and bondages, we can't do anything except suck on our own little passy and get somebody to change our pamper and, you know, nothing changes. So we keep sitting on the pew for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Nothing changes in my life. What am I doing for God? We like for you to do things for the Lord, don't we? Fear will always give you the wrong counsel. Remember that. And when you're at a place of decision, and if fear is there, you better step back because fear is going to give you wrong advice. Fear will give you wrong advice. Fear usually causes you to run away and not run toward what God has Long years ago, Tammy Faye Baker, remember, some of you may remember her, wrote a book called Run to the Roar. Run to the Roar. In other words, when that, when that fear is roaring at you, instead of running away, you run toward it. And you take it because God is with you. Let me tell you, some of you need to know God is for you, not against you. God hasn't given up on anyone here. Just like David, you might be in Ziklag and you may have been there for a long time and you might be whining and complaining and compromising with the world, but God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't forgotten his promise. All it takes is go back. The king is in the field. Just come and repent. Say, God, forgive me that I've gotten off track. Forgive me, God, that I've not allowed your word to direct me. Forgive me, God, that I've allowed fear to be my counselor. God, I'm not going to settle for this any longer. Some of you just don't believe in yourself enough. You tell you, God's got seeds of greatness inside of every one of you. And we need for those seeds to harvest wherever God has assigned you. 
and it might be in the schools as a teacher, Maria. God has, has planted you in the schools. Seeds of greatness are in Winkler Middle School. For Charlene, I think the seeds of greatness, she's a, a substance abuse counselor. God has placed those seeds of greatness inside of you to turn lives around and to change lives, to spread light. And I know she does. So many of you, I could just go on and on. But let me tell you, God has put seeds of greatness inside of every one of you and us. And the only way they're going to harvest is in the soil that he has planted us in, not in the foreign soil. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to do anything this morning except just, I just want you to think. Because it's really between you and God. Most people die with their music still in them. Most people die with their music still in them. God, we don't want to be those people. God, we're just bold enough to believe that we can change this city. We can be a part of changing this city. God, there's other great churches in the city. God, we pray for those churches to rise up and become what you want them to be. Because we're responsible for us. And you've given us a word. You've given us, Father, prophetic word after prophetic word, Father God, of our involvement in transforming our city. God, of the glory of God flowing out of this place and down the streets of Concord, Father God, and, and chains of addiction falling off of people. God, you've given us visions of people walking by the building and just the presence of God would heal bodies that are sick. God, it's not us, it's you, but we want to create an environment where you are welcome, where your presence is here. Yes. Where people can go out of this place and they can be life changers and change agents in, our, in their schools and in our businesses and in our government, Lord. In our hospitals and in our clinics, Father, that they can be, we can all be change agents to do what you've called us to do. God, we don't want any zigzag experiences. God, I thank you for the conflicts you've caused in our own life just to get us back to the, where you wanted us to be. I remember in 2005, the week before we realized that the pastor was resigning, not Pastor Robbins, of course, but the one that was here. Great man of God, love him. He was awesome, but he just felt like his time was up. And I remember saying to Terry, this was before that Sunday, I said, if things don't change by Christmas, let's leave. And God spoke to me so clearly. He said, you do this, you're going to miss my plan for your life. See, my fear was things are never going to get any different. Things are never going to get any See, well, my fear, I was taking counsel from the fear that was in my heart. You do this and you're going to miss my plan for your life. And I said, God, then you've got to change me or change this. And God changed it. God, is, there's a continuous process of change that we go through. And you might be on the verge of maybe making a very critical decision in some area of your life. I'm just going to encourage you, don't let fear be your counselor. Don't take counsel from your fears. What is God's word saying about it? See, we've got to have that prophetic revelation. The word that came to me was, you do this, you're going to miss my plan for your life. That was my prophetic vision. That's what got me out of Ziklag and back over to where I needed to be. No idea, no idea what God was going to do. None whatsoever. 
But God has a plan for everyone in here, and I just want you to know. I want you to rest in that. So, Lord, we just bless you. We thank you, Father God. We just pray. I pray, Lord, for every person in this place. Father, I know very clearly by the Spirit that there are many in here that are in Ziklag right now that need to come home. They need to come out. And while they're out in Ziklag, Lord, the enemy's ravishing their families, their, their emotions, their, their health, their finances. God, it's time for them to come out of Ziklag and get back to their assigned place. Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray for peace in the hearts of your people today. We come against an enemy, Father God, that would try to, to bring confusion and strife, that, that Amalek spirit, Father God, that would try to bring evil and confusion and discord into their hearts and into their minds. Father, they would keep saying, well, where is God? Where is God? Where is the promise? God, I say that we're going to look to the promise. We're going to speak the promise. We're going to speak what your word has declared over us. We're going to decree a thing and it will be established. Father, we refuse to allow negative thoughts to take root in our minds and in our hearts. We cast down those imaginations, anything that exalts itself against the true word and knowledge of God. We tear up strongholds of fear. We break the power of fear in our lives. And God, we declare that we are going through. We declare, Father God, that we're going through that breaker. We're going through that breakthrough. We're breaking out for you, Father. We're becoming everything you called us to become. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're our counselor. You're our leader. Thank you, God. Lord, we just bless your mighty name. Praise your mighty name. Jesus' name. I'm working on this. This is a hard transition. Um, great message. I feel really good this morning. How about you? I feel really good. So, 